0: Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks.
1: Welcome to this edition of Digital Voices. We're going to tackle public-private partnerships and how that works. And we have an amazing, amazing guest with us. And I'm sure you're really going to enjoy a lot of his insights. And he is the CEO of Texas Health Services Authority, George Gooch. And I have to self disclose that I have a bias towards, I'll just call it THSA, because I was a member of THSA several years ago. In fact, I, I served, I had the honor of serving as the the board chair for several years and it was great. I loved it because it was bipartisan. So everyone wants to do the right thing in Texas for healthcare, whether they're Republican or Democrats. And so I got to work with everyone and a great team and we did amazing, amazing things for the state of Texas. And I was just so excited to get an update from George and and really talk about how that worked. But I'll tell you what, uh, Sydney, when I first interviewed Uh, to be the board chairperson for THSA was really uh, sort of awkward. Have you ever had an awkward interview moment?
0: Honestly, Ed, I have probably had a few, but um, the only one that comes to
1: mind is um, when I was interviewing and I completely misheard the question that was asked and went on a few minute rant to answer the question and the interviewer never even corrected me, and so I didn't realize till after the interview was over that that was not at all what she had asked. Oh, that's funny! Did you get the job?
0: I did not. Okay.
1: Oh. <laughs> and ever since then, but but it's good thing because now you're with us and everything. Life is good. Of so my 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 funny story is I was I was already on the board, so I'd been serving on the board for maybe a year and a half. And I loved it for reasons I already cited. And you'll understand more when George speaks. And they called me down one day. I just received like this phone call. And it's like, the governor wants you to come down to Austin. And they want to talk with you. And I was like, wow, what's going on? What could it possibly be? So I was talking to our government affairs people. I was like, dude, what do I do? Do I just go down and make this trip to Austin? They are like, yeah, you should go ahead and go down. Just see what's going on. They probably just have some questions. So I went down. I was put in this room. And then I was several people came in and one of them was a direct reports to the governor. And they just started asking me questions about what makes a good leader. Uh, George, I don't know if you had the same sort of thing happen to you when you became uh, the CEO, but they were asking me like, what makes a good leader? And I was a- answering their questions and, you know, what would be the best kind of leader for THSA for the board and asked me all these questions. And then, they're, then they were like, then they kind of got emphatic. You could tell they were getting frustrated. Then they were like, can you suggest anyone who would be really good at this board position? So I, I was naming a few people and then finally another person came in and they're like, no, we, we want you, Ed, to be the board chair, chairperson. So, but they didn't come out and ask it. They were like beating around the bush the whole time. And it was, it was hilarious in hindsight, but during the process, it was like, it was really weird. Cause I had no idea what I was down there, you know, to do, but I, I loved it. I, I could tell more stories, but I don't want to steal the time from George about, uh, how I had to get uh, my Senator's approval endorsement and, and just how that story played out, but it was all good. It was all good stuff. And I just, again, loved my service. In fact, we don't, this podcast is all verbal. You don't have the visual, but in my office, I can kind of show George, cause actually have a camera. Uh, if you see the the one on the, that big plaque on the right, yeah. I don't care I have plaques on, in my, my office, except for two. I have my team USA stuff and I have uh my plaque, which was the flag that you all gave me when I left Texas Health Service Authority that had flown over the Capitol and just, you know, a note from the governor and all that kind of stuff, because I I just considered such a privilege to serve our great state. So anyways, uh, back to the topic at hand and, and talking with George. So, George, we ask the same question of everyone because it's the it's the question that most people have on their mind. What sort of music do you like to listen to? Like what's your favorite music, like when you chill or whatever, between THSA uh, well, you know,
0: so th- this answer has changed over time um, pretty dramatically. Um, you know, being in Austin, Texas, it's like one of the music capitals. And there, there's so much at your disposal here. You can go out and find live music anytime. It's You're not going to be hurting um, for, for that area of entertainment. And I used to really enjoy a, a local band, um, uh, Spoon, which, I mean, they're still around. They're still great. Um but it's just really nice to see kind of that, you know, the local band take off to be something national in this huge hit. Um, yeah. Today, um, I listen to uh, a lot of nursery rhymes um, and uh, <laughs> other things that my three-year-old likes to listen to. Um, <laughs> there are battles um, over what is listened to in the car, and I lose them every time. Um, so... That fills up a lot of my time. Um, And then podcast. um, (laughs) Yeah, right. So, so yeah, it's it's changed a bit over the years, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I I thought you were going to go there with your answer because I remember you all had a child a couple of years ago. And, you know, the musical tastes do change. And and another reason, too, at least for me, when I was when our children were young is I used to love cranking up my punk music or whatever I was listening to. (laughs) But when you have little kids, you can't really do that anymore. You can't, like, you know, blow out their teardrum <laughs> <Yeah>. or anything. <laughs> so what what about sort of your life message or mantra? You know, some people might call it a mantra or what brings about their passion. Like, like what stoked your fire to do the different things that you do, whether on the personal or professional level? Yeah,
0: so, you know, the, there are a few. But the the one um, that I've been touting the most, and I'm I'm sure staff is started to love it. um, And now they're probably quite over it. Um, And it's uh, simplify. Um, And I think it's one of the most important things, particularly in the healthcare arena, that is, you know, very just hyper regulated, um, and very confusing. And uh, there's a there's a great quote, um, that I always like to go back to, and it's perfection comes when there's nothing left to take away, not when there's nothing more to add. Um, so it really just, it's not that everything you do is going to be simple, but it really helps you cut to the heart of what are we doing here? What is the value? How can we cut away the rest of the stuff that doesn't matter and just concentrate on what's going to help people, help healthcare providers, help patients, things of that nature. So I'm always looping back to it. I'm I'm sure people love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I love that whole concept of simplicity. That's great. So share with our audience about Texas Health Services Authority, how it became in, became came to life and what its role is, its mission, because not every state responded. I imagine you'll talk about that, how there was federal dollars and states had to organize around that. Not every state responded the same way. Uh, Texas was a little bit unique. So if you could just share in level yeah, set all of so, us. So
0: you know, I'll try to give the 30,000-foot level, and I, I think it's really interesting. We've kind of come full circle on on a lot of this. THSA itself as a public-private partnership was created back in 2007 by the Texas legislature, but the impetus to lead to that creation um, was actually, uh, I believe, Hurricane Katrina when we had uh, patients showing up in shelter environments uh, here in Texas and people bring their medications with them that, you know, they fished them out of their flooded homes and... They would say things like, "I think the pink pills are for my heart," and it, it was the original impetus that drove Texas to realize we need an electronic infrastructure for exchanging health information. So it started off as disaster response. Um, flash forward to today, you know, we created in two thousand seven by the legislature, funded in you know two thousand nine two thousand ten timeframe through passage of the. High Tech Act that allowed all states to participate in the HIE Cooperative Agreement Program um, through the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, or ONC, and Texas put forth this network of Network models that called for a set of regional health information exchanges to, you know, really provide healthcare for the community where it matters most, with a thin state level layer called HAE Texas, and that's what uh, the THSA operates. That's gone through, you know, multiple iterations um, as time has gone on. Today. Um, uh, we've got three programs under HAE Texas, uh, the Emergency Department Encounter Notification System, which is a, a statewide standardized ADT or admission discharge, discharge transfer feed um, uh, showing where patients have traversed across the healthcare continuum, and then the Patient Unified Lookup System for Emergencies, and this is where I'm saying we've really come full circle from our creation program. Um, uh, PULSE, Patient Unified Lookup System for Emergencies, is, is a system that leverages the national HIE networks, um, and we actually have two local HIE networks in Texas that are directly connected to those national networks, so we really get a lot through the network of networks model. That allows disaster response volunteers to be able to remotely and securely access electronic health information in alternate care sites during these declared disasters. And that is a scenario that is in stark contrast to what I um, described before with Hurricane Katrina, um, which is based on pen and paper, the memory of the patient. There's no curated medication history list going on there. Um, But now they have all that in the palm of their hand in a remote and secure way. So, you know, that's been really great. Um, And then the most recent initiative we've taken on is a pilot project that's been uh, funded under a federal grant from ONC. Um, called the SANER Project, uh, Situational Awareness for Novel Epidemic Response. Um, And it's under the STAR-HAE program, which is another acronym that is the Strengthening the Technical Advancement and Readiness of Health Information Exchange for Public Health Agencies. Um, And I think that's been a big thing that we've identified during this pandemic is, you know, Interoperability still has work to go, um, but I think in very unique ways and public health is one of those big areas that we realized we need to do some work here um, because we've had separate systems that have been growing in silos and they don't speak to each other. So Saner Project, um, a lot of hospitals in all states um, had to report situational awareness data um, to their state public health. As um, things like bed capacity, ventilator inventory, um, and that is developed in the middle of a pandemic, where you're mid crisis, so it's not like it's something that had years of groundwork and they thought about the best process and data standard to use for it. They just said we need to get it done. So, of like the 750 plus hospitals here in Texas, over six of them, over 600 of them, were using a very manual process to do that. So. What Saner Project um, attempts to do is build out a proof of concept that automates that um, submission of data and marries the Fire data standard to it. So a lot of good work going on there. And it just is like another example of some of the very targeted ways that Health Information Exchange has developed uh, here in Texas.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds like an awesome program, and we always knew the potential was there to knit everything together, and and it was a lot of policy required and a lot of, you know, funding and, and different initiatives and change management, and it sounds like we've really evolved a long ways. That's, that's really great. So you alluded to this already, George, in terms of, you know, how do you all work? How does THSA work with... Uh, Health and Human Services Commission in Texas. And, you know, is this a close uh, relationship to deal with yeah, these we, sort of things? Yeah, being you just a about?
0: state level public private partnership, like there are very unique ways that we fit into the healthcare ecosystem. You know, at, at the local level, local HIEs, they've got hospitals and healthcare providers in their community and they're, they're banding that community together. Um, and, you know, it makes perfect sense because over 90% of all healthcare is very local. And then we have a separate set of activities at the state level with our state health agencies, the Department of State Health Services, Health and Human Services Commission, which houses our Medicaid program. And then there are healthcare aspects to the other um, health-related agencies. So we're like this layer that that sits in the middle. Um, we work on projects with um, Texas Medicaid, such as Eden and Pulse. Um, and uh, we leverage this network of network model. Um, where we we bring in the local HIEs and bring in hospitals and bring in providers and there there's incentives for hospitals and providers to join local HIE and state HIE under each of these. Um, so uh, this is actually something that um, has uh, led to the the continuation of the the THSA under our state statute, chapter 182 of the health and safety code. Um, You know, when the high tech act passed, what felt like yesterday, and is now somehow a decade later, um, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars were invested into health IT infrastructure. And it was all just supposed to stop and kind of fall off a cliff uh, next month, September, 2021. And some smart people somewhere decided, hey, you know, we we invested a lot in this infrastructure. What do you say we keep doing something with it? Um, So there's a lot of state Medicaid programs, Texas included, that said, hey, there's there are other ways that we can keep health information exchange in the mix to add value at the local and state level. So that's what led the legislature to keep the THSA, which was set to sunset in 2021, um, moving forward, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, so lots of good work, uh, being done there, um, in partnership with, with Medicaid and CMS at the federal level, and then with their local HIEs and obviously providers and hospitals, health plans, the whole continuum.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's super. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, and I don't say this to pat ourselves on the back, but in hindsight, it was a pretty smart move to enable the market, and given the size of Texas, and allow sort of that local approach to a statewide challenge and creating this layer, this THSA layer, to bring it all together because healthcare is local. And so, you know, some, some organizations may not want to, you know, report up, so to speak, to a centralized organization, but prefer their community. They've got that trust, existing relationships. But then building that superstructure yeah. that you all have to where it all feeds in and it's working. So it's, it was uh, a brilliant marketplace approach. Uh, and, you know, every state did it a little bit differently. Do you know, George, what are some other states doing? Maybe one or two examples that you might be familiar with just because our audience, obviously, <laughs> they as great as Texas is and we love Texas. Uh, you know, they might be interested in what's, what, is it the same approach yeah, for everyone? You know, it it or is, is it wildly different, different. How, um, you name one or two across examples? all
0: 50 states. Um, some states are small enough to where, you know, they have one entity that does HIE, but then there are other larger states that does leverage a similar network of networks model. Um, top of mind examples are um, Michigan and New York. Um, California has been through a few iterations, and I believe that they're You know uh, dusting it off and going back again with the development of a new strategic plan um that's really going to loop in state government with that as well um so yeah those those are probably the most comparable ones i i think they're all doing well um but they've they've all continued to evolve and adapt because i don't think that health information exchange is the same as what we all thought it was going to be 10 years ago which makes perfect sense. You know, things evolve, they change, we adapt. Um, And I I think the strategic partnership model really works in Texas. That's how I always tell everyone we're able to accomplish a a Texas-sized job with a Rhode Island-sized staff is through partnerships with, uh, you know, state and local partners.
1: Yeah, that's that's very, very true. So uh, how would, you know, how would others, like our audience, George is, chief digital officers not just with uh, provider organizations but payers and pharma and even big tech and retail and how might they and i know it's going to differ a little bit for every state but you know for some this whole concept might be new this might be the first time they've heard anything like this that is going on how would they you know work with a THSA like entity in their state? What, what's a good way to, to get involved if they yeah, don't think a they're already great involved question. in sharing all this um, And data, that some,
0: Stakeholder like that. outreach is something we're always working on. Um, I always say what we do is it's not rocket science, but it's not very accessible. Um, so when you talk to someone, it's, it's not water cooler talk. Um, my my friends and family still are kind of figuring out what I do for a living, you know, five, eight years into this. Um but but here in Texas, what we do is we do a lot of direct stakeholder outreach. We do a lot of uh, work having, um, you know, councils and work groups. Um, we've got, a, um, as you're well aware, a governor-appointed board of directors um, that's made up from representatives across the healthcare continuum. Um, and most recently, um, we've developed a, a new website that's Kind of tries to take some of the legwork out of that. Um, you know, we still need to work on driving traffic to the website, but having a website that has all the information available about how people can get involved, what each of these projects do, you know, who they benefit, and how um, helps get that word out. But we at the state level do a lot of collaboration with our, you know, uh, state hospital association, our state medical association, association of health plans. Um, and that that picks up a lot um, as well, but um you know just just getting the word out there any way you can. Um, but i I know that in other states they do take very similar approaches um and there there are partnerships that span the public and private sectors elsewhere as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. so there's definitely a way to to get involved. And if they wanted more information, they yeah, could look up I hope we're the HSA top in Google. It should pop right up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I've, I've done it several times and I've found you pretty, pretty, pretty easily. And it's a great, great site. So the other thing that I was curious about George is you, you already described like three primary areas that are really kicking in well in terms of the data exchange and the, really the criticality of of all three of those programs. Where is THSA headed next? You know, what what do you foresee happening in the next one to three years in terms of, you know, all of this exchange and digital transformation, things like that?
0: On the precipice right now is this transition from the the high-tech days to beyond, um, because I, I think it's very fortunate we already have a very good, positive relationship with our state Medicaid program but those high-tech funds really funded health information exchange for infrastructure development, um, you know, at like a 90, 10 match rate. Um, And that'll really allowed HIE to launch and get off the ground from, you know, non-existent um, to thriving. Um, But uh, now these new programs, it's not just for implementation, but it's ongoing maintenance and operations. So, I think because that is coming through CMS and through Medicaid, we are going to see a lot of that switch that we've all has been predicting is coming, hoping is coming for a very long time where HIE become this real public utility um, and really helping solve healthcare problems at the local and the state level. And I think this this is that last thing that's really going to be able to make that happen in a long term, sustainable way.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great, and I, I believe that can happen. So it really sparks another question for me, and this is not about Texas. I know you already described the relationship that you have with the legislature, and but this is really more even more theoretical at a higher level, because what, what you do in other organizations like you in other states really sit at the intersection of this public policy and private healthcare model, right? Most healthcare is delivered in a private, non-for-profit setting. What more can be done to ensure uh, that the public policy and private health care work together in the best I- interest of citizens? You know, so we talk about population health and things like that, George. And I just wonder how you organizations like Tia to say can continue to work with private enterprise to to create this more. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, equitable, that's really healthcare important ecosystem. Um, uh, issue that you bring up. And in addition to like all of the outreach stuff that we talked about earlier, we also take part in a lot of other work groups. We don't just draw people to us, we go out to other entities. Immediately before being on this call, um, I was on a call with ONC and a lot of other health information exchanges across the country that are part of the STAR-HAE program, specifically addressing health equity. Um and uh, we had a guest speaker um, from here in Texas, Dr. Phil Beckett, who is the CEO of HASA, uh, formerly known as Healthcare Access San Antonio, here in Texas, and they do a lot of work in rural yeah. Texas. And you know, yes. um, love Phil like he's he's so smart. He knows this stuff so well, but he's half the time I talk to him, he's in his truck on the way to talk to someone in a very rural part of the state to get them connected um, and being able to get those last mile connections. So I I think it's, it's a lot of collaboration um, with, you know, local partners nationwide. And then another really big, important thing to just that's tangential to all of this, but it's going to be widely beneficial is the, the funding coming to states for broadband implementation, because, you know, Texas is like this microcosm of the U.S. in the sense that we have Mm. these major urban areas, but we have vast rural populations as well. So being able to actually connect to them, um, you know, is a game changer. And it's a game changer, not just for adoption of health information exchange or telemedicine health IT. It's for patients who are able to receive care in those areas who otherwise might have to drive halfway across the state, um, or, you know, yes. just figure out like how they receive healthcare in a non-traditional setting. So, uh, being able to get that access to them is crucial and conducting outreach and partnership with others is, is the way to do it.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right, George, that with, uh, upcoming, programs, there's already some, as you know, and I think there's going to be more programs to help with broadband and ensure everyone is covered, you know, in the United States will really go a a tremendous way, a long ways uh, towards healthcare equity. And we'll also, you know, organizations like THSA, I think should play a key role in that. Look, George, we covered a lot of areas. I always like to leave the last sort of uh, question or comment to my guests. So is there something we talked about that maybe you want to double down on?
0: We really miss you down here. Um, it's been a few years. I think we're on our second, um, board chair, um, since you left. It's now Shannon Calhoun, uh, who I believe was on the board at the time that you were chair and she's doing a phenomenal job. Um, things are going really well, um, in that department. We definitely miss the candor that you bring, um, to board meetings in addition to expertise and, uh, great support. Um, but, uh, you know, you've, been keeping track. It looks like you've gone on to do a lot of great things um, in the healthcare space since then. And yeah, thank you for having me here. It's been really great to talk to you again, yeah. just to catch up and and share everything that we've been doing.
1: No, I'm really uh, proud of THSA, all the hard work that you all have done. I was very honored to be a part of it for the time that I was. And yeah, I've, I keep tabs of you got you all, and uh, really uh, cherish the success uh, that I see happening because. Ultimately, we all do this, George, for the same reason. We want to see how, you know, enable how technology can help save people's lives, improve the quality of life and what you're doing in those programs. Certainly do that for, for those that live in Texas and beyond. Your influence is much beyond that, like uh, with the ONC calls that you mentioned today. And I, I remember when I was there, we had meetings with ONC all the time sharing sort of our best practices uh, so that we could help other states across the, the country. So thank you so much. Hope to visit you sometime (laughs) in Austin and maybe crash a a board meeting or something uh, since they're all publicly available. All right. Thanks, George. (laughs) Take care.
0: Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.